1: Welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast. I am Carolina Todd, and I hereby bring you Laura Hogan. Bi-weekly we talk with accomplished engineering leaders and today I am happy to introduce you to Laura if you haven't seen her on the internet. She is very <laughs> active with uh, sharing lots of knowledge via blog posts and via talks like this one. Um, she is the founder of Wear Um, a company, which she will talk a little bit about uh, (laughs) when we get to it. But before that, she was VP of engineering at Kickstarter. And even before that, she was engineering director at Etsy. So she has quite the track record. And with that said, before we dive into today's topic, welcome, Lara. Please share with us what your passions are.
0: Hello. I'm so excited to chat. You know, I was thinking about when I saw on the doc, this question is about passions that you very kindly shared with me beforehand. I was like, what what are my passions? I feel like during the pandemic, it's so hard to to identify things that you can be passionate about. Honestly, these days, it just comes down to trying to find as much joy as I can in my life. So whether that's playing video games or taking walks outside or just hanging out in parks, like... Passions are finding very calm ways to pass the time <laughs> to make sure that, you know, we're finding as much joy as we can.
1: Right. Thank you so much. And um, I hope we cannot take that to heart. <laughs> um, with that said, today's topic, I think it's just so exciting to many of our listeners. We will talk about performance reviews and you you have shared quite a bit of information about this on your blog and about feedback and how to deliver it and even about public speaking. So there is a lot of information out there, but I think it's still a little bit of a slippery slope for a lot of engineering managers and for a lot of leaders, even outside of the tech industry. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what performance reviews are, in your opinion, what their purpose is, and why we should do them.
0: So, one of the trickiest parts about performance reviews is that they so widely vary based on organization. Some organizations have like a cadence of every quarter, or every six months, or even every year of this very formal, lots of paperwork, very bureaucratic. We we need to document this information and communicate it in this way and have these kinds of follow ups. There's that end of the spectrum. And then there's the end of the spectrum where it's just like, hey, I should give you some feedback because it feels like it's time. And that's our performance review. So kind of everywhere between those two ends of the spectrum, different organizations might sit. And that is based on scale. That's based on age of the organization. That's based based on so many variety of factors. So when I talk about performance reviews, I'm often talking about a more formal setting in which you as a leader or as a manager, you have to document some feedback that you have for your teammates For a variety of purposes, right, that could be helping them get career growth figured out, you know, that could be identifying goals that could be documenting it so that future managers and leaders can also understand the history that also might be documenting it so that if, you know, someone's work or behavior approach needs to change, you have it documented formally somewhere that we can kind of check in on it and maybe even have it for a future like performance improvement plan. I find that the reason why we have these (laughs) is because we humans are not actually that good at giving feedback on a cadence naturally. And that's for a variety of reasons. You know, it's scary to give feedback. It's scary to also receive feedback. So lots of people are hesitant to participate in like a feedback cycle because of basically our fight or flight response that may kick in for either perspective, which I can talk about all day. But really, I, I find it boils down to we need to have some cadence, some routine to make sure that we're giving people the feedback that they need to understand how they can be growing and learning or support them on their existing career growth or learning plan.
1: Yeah, I love the retrospective prime directive when it says, you know, like, let's all just assume that we are all on the same team here and everybody is trying to do their best. And if they don't get feedback, then why would they change their behavior? They're already trying to do their best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a total advocate of uh, (laughs) just giving really uh, constructive feedback to everyone. Yeah. So now that we have that cleared up, let's talk a little bit about the elements of uh, the performance review process. How can you summarize what should be Mm. in a performance review? Totally.
0: Anything that's included should be specific. Meaning, we should ground this in you know specific behaviors that we're seeing, or a specific environment, or a specific outcome that we're looking for. It should be behavioral. Meaning, we couldn't, we shouldn't talk about like you're so smart in a performance review. That's not behavioral. <laughs> uh, we should talk about you know the kinds of things that we would like to see and observe in terms of the behaviors of this person, uh, and it should be actionable. The worst kind of feedback is the feedback where you can take no action based on it. You know, we have as we're writing down feedback that we need to give, we're delivering this feedback, we need to make sure that we're framing it in a way where this person can take action on it. Ideally, you have a mix of like positive and negative, right? Positive and negative being very broad terms, you might say constructive instead of negative or you know, whatever. But people want to know what they should keep on doing that they're already doing really well at, and also what they should start doing and why. A lot of the feedback that people receive is absent of the why, and I think that that's a huge mistake. Why are we giving this feedback? Again, that's specific, actionable. It's so important to understand what it is that we're trying to achieve or why this is important to this person or the company. So when I think about you know a performance review, I want to make sure that I'm giving that specific and actionable and behavioral feedback in it.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So now that we have that cleared up, what do you think about we are talking about performance reviews and let's make sure that it's not separate from feedback so let's make sure it's separate from feedback yeah. <laughs> um, because my presumption is that a performance review should be given by my direct director or my team lead or or somebody who is directly superior to me and perhaps works with me on a daily basis or has some kind of a um, a touch point with me. So he can at least sound like he has experience uh, with working (laughs) with me when he gives me the performance review. And would you include any kind of feedback that comes from my peers or from my subordinates when it comes to my performance review?
0: A lot of companies build that in as part of the performance review process, but not all companies, again, based on scale or a variety of other reasons. Ideally, you're getting feedback with routine from all of those different parties that you mentioned. The performance review really like memorializes it. It says at this point in time, let's just document and memorialize, uh, synthesize all the feedback that you may have received from these different groups that we can make sure we can actually check in on it again going forward. And so you can remember it too. And so we can kind of get on the same page about this, you know, whatever it is that we've been talking about. One of the reasons why that's really helpful to memorialize it is we are really, really bad at making sure we're on the same page when we're giving and receiving feedback. So someone may have thought that they gave you great feedback, like specific actionable feedback, and it just felt like a passing comment to you, like never stuck, you know. So a performance review does, you know, has is an opportunity to kind of ground it. And then there's that old adage of there should be no surprises in performance reviews. And that, again, comes back to the idea that you should be receiving feedback from all of these different parties, at so many points before the performance review happens that the performance reviews should just be like, again, memorializing all of these things leading up to it. That in actuality rarely happens for a variety of reasons, but that's the ideal, right?
1: All right. So with that said, how often should a performance review happen in in a company?
0: Yeah, I think, again, it's going to so depend on what those performance reviews are being used for. At many companies, as performance reviews are literally just checking a box in Workday or whatever HR system <laughs> you have. Um, that's not that useful. You don't need to do that that often. That's just, again, just kind of ticking the box. I, I find that because feedback should be more of a routine It kind of doesn't matter how often you memorialize that feedback as long as it's documented in some way along the way. So, again, I've seen companies do it yearly. I've seen companies do it, you know, every six months. I've seen some companies do it quarterly. That's a lot of overhead to do it quarterly, frankly, for the people who are tasked with delivering the performance review. So I would probably say every six months usually tends to be not too long, but also not too short and not too much overhead. But again, the the act of giving a performance review is just the memorialization process. I think the where we should really be putting our work and our emphasis is on routine feedback kind of throughout the year and the cycle.
1: Right, right. There's lots of great things there. Uh, let me unpack <laughs> it a little bit so, yeah. so that we can maybe dive a little deeper. You said memorialize it for, the, let's say, for the individual contributor for yeah. for the sake of simplicity. Also my preconception about giving feedback is that it should be in person. Mm. Um what is your stance on performance reviews how to be how should they be delivered and what is the best method in your opinion for their memorialization?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um so I think they should uh there's like two different main ways right face to face and documented in an asynchronous medium that anybody, you know, who's related to the feedback can kind of check in on later. So that's the manager, that's the direct report. Of these two mediums, you don't have to do one before the other. And everybody prefers to receive feedback differently. So I'm the kind of person that needs to read it first so I can digest it before I can then have a conversation about it. So it's really important for you as a manager to know how your direct reports prefer to receive feedback that we can deliver it in a way that they're going to be able to digest, because one of the outcomes we want to stave off is people don't hear it, it doesn't land. I'm sure we've all had feedback conversations in which it was such a surprise or you were so bracing yourself for the feedback and nervous about it and stressed out about it that you could barely hear what was happening and you forgot it all later. So some people prefer to receive the face to it face to face first. Others prefer to receive it first via an asynchronous communication medium. Either way, get to know your direct reports and then do it that way first and then follow it up with the other way later. That, so like, let's say you email it first. Don't just let it, that be the only checkpoint, then have a conversation about it, that's schedule that people can prepare for with questions. Maybe you deliver it first and then email it to them afterwards or however you want to share that document. Again, that's so that people's brains, their amygdala, their fight-or-flight response can be chilled out as much as possible so that their prefrontal cortex is online, the rational, logical part of the brain, the way they can actually digest and have questions and process the feedback and not just have a fight-or-flight response to it.
1: Right. So if we talk about set and setting in this context – then would you say the best way to deliver feedback is in a calm kind of non-stressful situation where we give it time and, and prepare for or direct reports special way of wanting to receive feedback?
0: Yeah, I would say because everybody's different, the is going to be different too. And so that's a factor. We want to make sure that the factor has what they need to be able to deliver the feedback successfully. It's also really stressful to give feedback, which is a big reason why people don't do it that routine in between performance reviews. The same thing happens. People, feedback givers, amygdalas, that fight or flight response still also kicks in when they think about giving someone feedback, no matter the situation, you know, hearing we something, think of it, we need to give our partner at home some feedback is sometimes just as stressful for our amygdala as, you know, at work. And so basically what we're trying to do is figure out what's the way that's going to make this land most effectively for our feedback giver and make sure it's that the f- person, you know, who's giving the feedback can also deliver it in a successful way too. Awesome. For all parties, all parties amygdalas, you know. What's the <laughs> ideal situation for all parties? It's not always possible, right? But we want to try as much as we can to make that possible.
1: For sure. With that said, could you share with us some tips as to how we should prepare if we are the feedback giver and if we are the feedback receiver? Yeah, totally. So if you're the feedback giver, you
0: might have had to synthesize other people's feedback as part of your formal performance review. So you've heard from their teammates, or maybe their direct reports, or their cross-functional peers. It's really challenging to incorporate all that feedback in a way that's going to land effectively for the, your feedback recipient. It's your job also to not just take all the feedback at face value, but instead to say, okay, which of this is something that I think is worth this person hearing in terms of their own career growth or what what we need of them or what they how they want to grow. It's also really important to make sure that you're able to own the feedback as much as possible because you are, at the end of the day, the person who's responsible for this person's success. You can't just say, hey, three people said, blah, ask yourself, how can I own this? How can I say, okay, here's how I've also observed this, or here's what I will be looking for going forward, or here's what's important to me for you on the team, or here's what the company expects, you know, and that's, and my, I'm, I'm representing the company. Find a way personally to be able to own whatever feedback it is that you're giving, even if you haven't personally, personally witnessed it, because that's also going to help make sure it lands. And that's going to hopefully help make sure it's fair we wanna avoid is unfair feedback. And that's huge pile of mess, right? Like fairness is one of our core needs at work. When we perceive that something is unfair, we will literally take to the streets, right? Our amygdala will wake up. So we wanna make sure that, that however we're delivering the feedback and what's contained in the feedback is as fair as possible for this person.
1: And I am also hearing that it's like super important to be authentic. So that like, if you are the manager and you don't really know what's going on for you to like go after what you have heard before you sit in the performance review with the the whatever colleague.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, if you haven't triple checked that this is real. That's not fair. Also, the person receiving it is going to have a really hard time knowing what to do differently. They want people to ask you questions about how this is manifesting or what they could try. So, if you're delivering feedback, you need to make sure that you can own it. Absolutely.
1: All right. All right. Thank you so much. And with that said, what should I do if I am about to receive my formal performance <laughs> review? What? How should I prepare myself to be the the calmest person? Yeah.
0: So it's hard. I mean, again, we can't control, many of us can't control our fight or flight response. There's a whole, if you want to Google emotional regulation, you'll find tons of studies about how people do that, right? But like for the vast majority of people out there, it's really, really hard to make sure that we're not going to hulk out when we get feedback. So I would say as much as possible, try to find a setting that feels really safe and secure, especially because we're all distributed these days, right? Find a place, find a, a zone, find a time of day, whatever your preferred calming environment is, see if you can situate yourself there. And also just be prepared to say, hey, this is so important to me. I really want to hear this feedback, but I can tell my brain can't process it right now. Maybe can I get this written? later? Or can we check in again at 2 p.m. when I've had some time to think? Find a way to, to kind of give yourself a little escape route, like a little one-sentence one-liner that allows you to say, this is so important to me, but I can tell I can't process or hear it at the moment. Can we please check in in this different medium or different time later? That can be a really helpful. Knowing you have that lever to pull can be really, really helpful, If especially if your manager didn't hear what I just said about finding the right <laughs> medium or the right timing for you based on what it is that you need. For me personally, that means asking if I can read it first before we have a conversation. So knowing that I'm able to go and make sure that I'm going to be at my healthiest brain space. And then honestly, taking a walk can be really useful. Anything to kind of get your prefrontal cortex, the rational logical part of your brain back online, doing a little puzzle. I find myself doing a lot of like little Sudokus and crosswords to try to bring my prefrontal cortex back online. That way my amygdala can chill out a little bit. It's going to be different for everybody, but try to figure out what's going to help you be your best logical self (laughs) as much as is possible during this time.
1: Right, right. Thank you so much. What would you say to managers who have larger teams and who do their best? to go after the kind of feedback that they receive regarding their their reports. Um, How how should they stay objective in the process? And mm, this just came to mind, but I am just so interested in what you have to say. What if you are in a really good, friendly space with a coworker and you have to deliver some kind of hard, objective feedback to them? How do you make sure that, or do you need to make sure that your friendly atmosphere is not going to be bent? Mm.
0: Honestly, the friendliest kindest thing you can do is make sure that you're framing this feedback in the terms that they care about. So everybody cares about different things. We have often been taught that when we give feedback, we need to talk about why we care about it, why it's important for us, for this person to hear this feedback. That's not how humans work. <laughs> people don't care what other people care about, right? As managers, as leaders, it's important for us to understand what's motivating to this person. What are their goals? What's their career trajectory? And then frame the feedback in those terms. Again, not why we think it's important, unless it's a really toxic situation or there's something uh, that's really important that needs to be addressed in those ways. For every other circumstance, ask yourself, what does this person care about? And how can I reframe this feedback in those terms instead? So like, let's say someone really wants to get promoted. I might say, hey, you know, it's really important to me that you do X, Y, and Z project management because that's going to help the team and it's part of your job and whatever, whatever else. But instead of saying that, you might say to get to the next level, one of the skills that you need de- to demonstrate is this project management aspect. Here's three opportunities I see for you to kind of display that skills going forward. That still might be tough for your friendly direct report to hear, right? Because... They need to do something. They're doing something wrong they're not doing it effectively. But if you frame it in terms that they care about, they will be much more motivated to go take action on this thing and to be able to hear it at all.
1: Right. So with that said, it's really hard to give constructive criticism and you make it sound kind of easy in a sense that, you know, like, if you're prepared enough and if you're honest enough, it's just gonna, you know, like, roll itself <laughs> out. Um, but... I just have, I have this feeling, you know, like yeah. it's yeah. kind of stressful when you are on good terms with someone and you have to deliver, you know, like a performance review that's maybe not yeah. the all-star excellent that you know the other person is expecting for themselves. Could you share us some, some concrete tips oh, as yeah. to like what kind of sentences or like setting kind of atmosphere, making sentences we could we could use to, yeah. to deliver constructive criticism. Absolutely. So
0: start with what you know they care about. Start by saying, hey, I know how deeply you care about making this team successful, or I know how deeply you care about that getting to that next level, or I know how deeply you care about making sure you've got work-life balance. It could be anything, but make sure it's what they actually care about. Start with that thing. Then say, here's the thing I observed. Here's the facts of what I'm observing. Maybe that's how quickly they respond to emails or how many tickets they've picked up in the queue or however, keep it fact-based. Again, not your judgments, not your assumptions. So first, what they care about, then the fact-based observation, and then tie those two things together. You know, when you do X, that doesn't help you get the thing that you care about. And then finally, cap it off with a question. We've often been taught as feedback givers that we're supposed to make a request at the end, like, therefore, could you please pick up more tickets? Or therefore, can you please respond within three days or whatever the thing is. That's a terrible way to give feedback. That shuts down the conversation. That doesn't make it two way. And if we want this person to be able to actually act on this thing, it needs, they need to be a part of the problem solving with you. And if you shut it down with a request, their amygdala might wake up a little bit, you know, like I'm just being told what to do or I'm being micromanaged or like, that's not going to help. So instead ask an open question, an open coaching question, I link to so many different open coaching questions in the blog and resources, so I'm happy to share them with everybody. But there's so many that you can choose from. And not I'm not talking about leading open questions. Not so, so what if you tried? Blah. That's a request. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what's feeling sticky about this? What's most important about this to you? What does success look like? Or my number one favorite open question to cap off feedback, what are you optimizing for? Hey, when you write these emails, what are you optimizing for? Hey, when you pick up tickets, what are you optimizing for? That kind of open-ended question allows us to be a two-way dialogue, not a one-way, I'm going to give you some bad news. You know, this is this this is a one-directional feedback conversation. That feels terrible for everybody involved. Again, unless it's like a really toxic situation or a performance improvement plan, that's two very different scenarios. In the average, tough, constructive criticism moment, make it a two-way conversation. It makes everybody feel so much better.
1: All right, thank you so much. I hope that people are taking notes. Uh, <laughs> you were saying that it shouldn't be surprising when it, at the performance review time comes, and we all gather around to perhaps receive our yearly salary increase or whatever. As an engineering manager or as VP of engineering, how can you go after the fact that people hear feedback? on a regular basis or how can you make sure that people are asking each other for feedback?
0: Yeah. So the first thing to do is to make sure people know how they want to grow because if they don't know how they want to grow, they don't know what to ask for feedback on. So maybe someone's working on public speaking skills or maybe they're trying to learn a new language or maybe again, they're trying to get to the next level and there's two or three skills that they want to kind of acquire or gain experience with in order to grow in that direction. First, make sure that everybody has those goals in mind. That way they can ask for feedback on those specific behaviors or those specific skills. Model it for them. Give them a cheat sheet of the questions that they can ask their teammates, their manager, whomever else. You know, I often tell managers when I'm coaching them or giving workshops to avoid questions like, do you have any feedback for me? But this is true for anybody. And the reason why those kinds of questions don't work is because nobody ever has any idea what to say, or it doesn't feel safe to give someone feedback, because again, it can sometimes be just as hard to give feedback because it feels nerve wracking and your amygdala might wake up just as it does to receive feedback. So instead, get specific with the kinds of feedback that you're asking for. So, hey, I'm working on my public speaking skills. Do you have any feedback for me about how I presented in that team meeting? You know, how's my pacing? How's my overall narrative? Be really specific when you're asking for feedback. And you can even tell people the questions you'll ask ahead of time. That way they're not surprised and caught off guard when you ask for this feedback. You can ask it in different mediums. Again, everybody's different, right? So getting really concrete with the routine and the behaviors, modeling them, and also giving people cheat sheets for how to do it can go a long way to making sure that people don't skip this part of the process. It won't fix it. It won't make it perfect, but it'll help to reinforce what these behaviors can look like going forward.
1: All right. It sounds like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it sounds like, uh, you know, like providing performance reviews and and preparing with feedback is a lot of work and yeah what i'm hearing is that the manager has to put in the work of creating options for the person who is receiving the feedback you know it's not like here is the feedback that i have for you now you shall go away and do whatever the hell you want to do with it uh it's more like as you said, here here is one thing that you could do. Right.
0: But what do you want to do? Or what do you think you should do? Or what do you need in order to be successful with this? Asking questions. You don't have to provide any of the options. It's helpful if you have some in mind for later, because <laughs> they have none, to help start the brainstorming. But it, it should just be you as a manager saying, here's what you do now. Instead, it should be, hey, what do you need to be successful? Or what does success look like? Or... What other leaders around the company model this behavior that we could kind of shadow and learn from? What do you want to experiment with? Again, any of these questions are a fair game for you.
1: All right. All right. So you don't need to figure out the whole improvement plan for your direct reports. But it won't help if you are prepared with some options for them as to how they could better themselves. Yeah.
0: If they're stuck, certainly. Now, the pitfall there is being micromanaging or not helping them connect their own dots and forming their own brain wrinkles. So when we're in mentoring mode and mentoring mode is sharing advice and sharing our perspective, uh, suggesting some things that someone could try when we're in that mode, no one's learning There's It's fascinating, but we've been taught that the, the most valuable thing we can do as knowledge workers is share our knowledge with other people. And that's actually not how people grow. People grow by connecting their own dots, experimenting, failing, right? Brainstorming, all of those things, and that's via coaching skills and sponsoring skills. So when we are in managers in coaching mode, we're asking those open questions. We're helping the person we're talking to develop those. We, we want them to sit back and be like, "Huh, what am I optimizing for when I'm writing those emails?" That's the learning moment. That's that's the skill that we're trying to build with them. So when we are giving them options, we're actually short circuiting the learning process. We're not helping them grow. So as managers, we gotta we gotta hold on to that instinct. Self-manage and say, okay, instead of giving someone two or three options they could try, first ask three to five coaching questions. And then once this person's kind of figured out how they might want to experiment or what they want to try or how they want to grow, become a sponsor. And so a sponsor is finding opportunities for visible, valuable work from this person. So that's giving them an opportunity to kind of stretch and practice these skills, not just learn from you but to actually experiment with your backing and with your support to grow these skills and see how it works. And that's where people grow. Like research studies. Oh my God. There's there's a plethora of information out there that demonstrates that sponsorship is the one that actually helps people grow and it's correlated to career
1: trajectory. Right. All right. Thank you. I'm really thinking there is like, we kind of touched on some pitfalls and where we can make mistakes, but if you Have any kind of examples off the top of your head as to what are some of the maybe typical mistakes or some of the mistakes you have encountered um, when delivering performance reviews?
0: Oh, totally. One of the ones I see come up a ton, and I have personally done this too, is assuming we know why someone's behaving a certain way. Like we know based on what they've shared before or just you know, connecting the dots between other people we've seen behave similarly or why we might act this way in a situation. We'll project or just plain old assume why someone's behaving a certain way. That's a pitfall because we don't know. <laughs> we humans contain multitudes, right? And if we assume, that means we're going to suggest something that probably actually won't help them out. So instead, getting curious, asking us open questions can help us avoid that pitfall by making sure we understand why someone's you know, how someone's motivated or why someone's behaving in a certain way to help them then unlock what they might want to start doing differently. So avoid, avoid, avoid assuming why in any circumstance when you're giving feedback. Your job is to ask lots of questions, not project or assume. <laughs> it's hard, though, because, again, you know, like when I see someone, I you know, my old example is always like moving desks. I don't know if you've ever had to be a part of a tough desk move where your desk, your new desk assignments are mandated, but everybody has so many emotions about it. And time and time again, having been responsible for desk moves, I've just projected a lot of my own like, oh, they're mad because they can't sit next to this person or they're mad because they didn't get a choice or they're mad because they've always sat there and you know, they were forced them to move. There's so many different reasons why someone as simple as moving their desk, why someone might be mad about it.
1: Yeah, So it's
0: important for us to not assume and ask lots of questions.
1: Yeah, lots of safety in the desk and- Oh, you totally. Know, to the same place every day and- Oh, absolutely just being comfortable in having the atmosphere around you. Uh, But let's not get sidetracked. Um, Thank you for the example. And with that said, let's roll back a little and go through how a performance review should happen chronologically. So like from the time that, I don't know, the company says, you know, like, it is time for performance reviews. Managers, buckle up. Yeah. And so what's the kind of trajectory from the announcement or the start date to when a manager manager can say, all right, I am done with performance reviews for this quarter or just in
0: time for it to start up again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So
0: again, every company does this so differently and it's, it's all going to be dependent upon size and scale and what's required as part of like the documentation process or what's required in terms of goals. Like every company is different, but broad strokes, managers should start to think about whose input should be included on this performance review. Maybe this person is tasked with coming up with a few names of people that should, their feedback should be incorporated. Maybe the manager has some ideas on, you know, cross-functional leaders or peers or teammates or whomever. Either way, however your company dictates it, start to gather that feedback. Make sure you start early enough that way people have time to give you that feedback. As much as is possible, don't ask big, broad questions of those people. (laughs) Know how this person wants to grow and see if you can tailor at least one or two questions about that. So like, hey, this person's looking to grow in X, Y, and Z ways. What feedback do you have for them about that? And is there anything else that I should know, you know, as a big catch-all that relates to their success, their future success, or the team's success, or the company's success? Let Again, me just
1: interject there. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you ask for these as a manager in person, or do you just write an email and send it out to the team?
0: Great question. It really depends. I know I'm gonna keep on saying that over and over and over again. Sure. In my in my work, I will do both. So I will give people a heads up that this question's coming from me. That way they can they have the expectation set that they will have to bucket some time to in some way documenting this feedback. But I will also try to make it easy, depending upon the person, to give me the the feedback that they have for my direct report. So some people prefer to give it face to face and kind of talk through it. Others prefer to write it. If I'm able to, I'll provide both options that people can kind of pick and choose. Also, record it in some way and like triple check that I have it right with the person. If if it's not all just written. So yeah, that great question. It depends. (laughs) All right,
1: all right. So I am I am a manager. I'm gathering all this feedback about this direct report, and with their goals and motivations in mind, so that when they hear what I have to say, they are going to be invested in improving.
0: Yeah. And so the people giving the feedback have something specific to latch onto. Like, I don't know if you've ever received those questions that are like, what could this person be doing better? What is this person doing great at? Like super broad. It's often really hard to come up with anything because they're so broad. So as, as specific as you can get while still having at least one catch-all question, that's going to be so much easier for their brains.
1: All right. All right. What's the next step that we, we need to do as a, as a manager?
0: Synthesize. Oh my goodness, it's hard. You got to take all of these different perspectives and these different mediums and this if whatever, and then come up with a coherent thing to share. And also eliminate feedback to, to to deliver that either isn't relevant or is biased, which is hard because you also as a human are biased. So an example might be gendered feedback right? Feedback about how this person should speak up more or look like a different way as a leader. When you know that this person doesn't fit the archetype of what a traditional leader looks like, it's going to be important for you as a manager to try to hone the feedback into something that actually is specific, actionable, and behavioral for this person that's fair. It's hard. It's really tricky. Bucket a lot of time for this (laughs) because it takes a lot, you know, it takes a lot of time to make sure you're incorporating this. If you have feedback from someone that's really Completely different than everybody else's feedback. Make extra time to follow up with the feedback giver and ask them some more questions about it. Because if this one person's having a really different experience than everybody else, it's worth digging into to see what's there. What's going on? What's unique about this relationship or this dynamic or the goals? Try to wrap your head around it. Again, so with the goal of when you give this feedback, you can own it. It's not just, hey, this one person said and therefore I'm passing it on to you. It's hey, I've been thinking a lot about your trajectory here or this project or your goals or ho- however it is and framing it in those terms.
1: All right. It sounds like a lot of perspective taking is uh, so much work. Is in there all the while having to keep your authentic voice as the manager to make sure that whatever you're saying is your just, own. Um
0: Yeah, precisely.
1: So I have all this feedback synthesized and um, I am ready to deliver it to my direct report. As we have touched on, I do it with a calm setting and I I already have had one on ones with my direct report, hopefully. So I know what they care about and what Mm their motivators are. And I invite them either having shared the feedback previously or sharing it verbally and then following up with, with an email or a written format. Let's talk about that actual meeting. If you can give us some tips about easing up the initial minutes or or maybe easing up some tough reactions (laughs) or maybe when, you know, it turns out that feedback giving wasn't as frequent as it should have been so that some surprise comes up. So coming back to the
0: idea of preparing, <laughs> make sure you know how this meeting is going to run and then share it with that person. So you might say, OK, what we're going to do first is I'm going to give you you know, a synthesis of the document that I emailed you. Or I'm going to give you a synthesis of this is the first time you're hearing it. So I'm going to give you a synthesis. Then I'll give you an opportunity to ask some questions about what I just shared. And then we'll cap it all off by talking about next steps. That's an example. It could be anything. But make sure you know upfront how you want this meeting to go. That way you can tell them, which Oh my goodness! Our amygdala, our fight or flight response, loves predictability. The more predictability we have about what's about to happen, the more chilled out we might be. So, as much as you can, kind of set those expectations up front, and then pro- progress through. I, especially if I'm working with someone who's new for the first time, I might tell them some more about how I think about feedback, or how I want to make sure that this person has an opportunity to kind of pull that lever to get out of the meeting if they if they need to, to have some more pro- time to process. I might give them an example of like, hey, at any moment. Ha- use this hand signal or say this word and we will take a timeout for five to ten minutes and check back in when you need to again. Or we'll take a timeout and you can we can regroup at 2 p.m. or whatever it is. That way, if this is a new relationship, they understand that they also have some agency in this moment. They can make sure that they're going to be as online, their prefrontal cortex can be as online as possible for this feedback conversation. I will also try to just be myself and not just be like serious manager, Lara. I'll be like my normal, you know, like, hey, direct report, this is this is weird, right? This is hard. I'm here to support you. My whole goal here is to make sure that you have what you need to be successful. So that's the framing that I bring to this. Again, whatever's true for you, be your authentic self that way you don't seem like a robot, a manager robot who has stepped in to give us performance review.
1: All right, all right, thank you. So now that we are done with the performance review and perhaps we've overcome some obstacles within the meeting or even regrouped um, after yeah. a few hours, and we are done, what should I do as a manager to make sure that the direct report who just received some perhaps constructive criticism can do their best to improve?
0: Yeah, I, the, it's always down to questions for me. Asking them what they need to be successful with these improvements, that's gonna direct what my job as a manager is next. I will make sure that we have documented those in some way, and make sure that I can do what I can do, what's in my power to do, to get them what they need to be successful with those improvements. So that's that's the homework for you as a manager, not just documenting it and checking in, but we've just gone maybe through some tough stuff and they've told me what they need to be successful. It's my job to help make sure I'm clear about how we get those things to happen or maybe not happen. There are certainly times when someone says, well, I need more, you know, a bigger team in order to be successful with this. And I couldn't do that. It's important as a manager to be really clear about what is possible, what isn't possible, and what you can do to help them going forward.
1: All right. And you will check in with them even out of cycle to make please sure. Do. That yes, please do. Please. The, the performance review is being used as right. it was intended. Awesomeness. With that said, if you just gave a lot of tips to, to managers and how to deliver feedback and, and to direct reports as to how to prepare for feedback. But if you're a manager and you didn't really put yourself in the shoes of, of the direct report who is getting the performance review, how do you think is the best way to evaluate your own performance as a manager? It's so hard. Because so much of management work is invisible
0: and tangible. You know, we might do a thing or say a thing, and there's such a long lead time between when we do or say a thing and see the effects of that thing, if if we get to see those effects at all. So figure out for yourself what it is that you're optimizing for as a manager. In the case of feedback, you might be optimizing for making sure that the team is happy and healthy. That's a very, you know, bright and shiny thing you're optimizing for. That's valid. You might be optimizing for getting this project across the finish line. You might be optimizing for your own work-life balance. You might be optimizing for growing the team and getting headcount. could be anything. Basically, after the feedback, check in with yourself and say, OK, based on this thing that I'm optimizing for, how did I do? Did I get myself closer? And if not, what do I need to do in order to get myself or the team closer to this thing that I'm optimizing for going forward? But that way, you can ground it in specifics and say, all right, that might have been tough. (laughs) I might have messed up a few times. That's all okay if it's in service of this bigger picture. And so you get to measure yourself based on that.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you ever ask for feedback about your giving feedback?
0: I do, but not to my direct reports. It's because of the power dynamic. You know, You can do that in a variety of very soft ways, but because the power dynamic, you may not get really helpful feedback. If you have a direct report that you trust who feels a little bit more like a peer or the power dynamic is lessened, you might ask them, specifically for feedback about how you deliver feedback. Otherwise, find that supportive group of peers that you can possibly find that are safe and and give good feedback, run through your approach, even do some role plays with them, you know, on fake performance reviews. On my website, I offer a lot of fake, difficult conversations you can actually practice with some of your peers to get feedback about how you deliver feedback. Even though those are technically fake settings, (laughs) There's so much good information there about where you might get stuck or pitfalls to avoid that those really experienced other managers can give you feedback on.
1: Right. All right. Thank you so much. I think I'm gonna synthesize here a little. Yeah. And say, we have talked about so so much. First, we talked about feedback, and throughout this conversation. We were really giving the kind of pillars of of really good feedback where it's safe and it's constructive and it's really specific and actionable and behavior based. And we also talked about how to gather the feedback and how to make sure we can stay authentic while we give the feedback that we may have gathered from outside uh, parties. And we also talked about having these difficult conversations and, um, opening up really performance reviews for a discussion, maybe to, to make sure that when we do the performance reviews, it's not like a one way kind of talking at someone. It's, it's more like a, what are your motivations? And to make it kind of appetizing. I want to say to the person <laughs> who is getting this feedback, you know, like. And they, fair. Yeah, they will be interested if, if it's tangible to what they want to achieve um, yeah. with their work. So, thank you for, for getting <laughs> to the core of so many things. Is there anything else? I know this is a broad question now, but is there <laughs> anything else that you would like to share with your audience?
0: I mean, honestly, it all boils down to those open questions. When I think about feedback, I think the most impactful thing we can do when we're giving feedback in any circumstance is ask an open question at the end. So I'm really eager to share, you know, I don't know if there's show notes or something, but I'm really eager to share the list of 20 open questions that I think anybody can use when they're giving feedback to make sure it's as productive as possible.
1: Right. Thank you so much. And um, just if you could give us like one thought as to, Perhaps managers who haven't done performance reviews before or if they are new to the yeah. entire process, like could you give us some, some, some tips or, or some exercises to, to make ourselves feel more comfortable in this situation or, or feel safer so we Absolutely. can make it a safe place for the person who is receiving the review?
0: Absolutely. Gather a small group of people of other managers and leaders who are more experienced at giving feedback, use those same scripts, use come up with fake scenarios and have everybody in the room role play two at a time in front of the room, front of the room, even on Zoom, role play those conversations so you can learn from how other managers do it. And so you can get the same practice and feedback as well. That way if everybody goes through and does a scenario or does a script with each other, you can kind of see different ways of approaching tone and body language and silence and questions and Pushing, like being directive versus being really empowering. I have learned so much about giving good feedback just simply from watching other people do it in those like fake (laughs) scenarios, just from people who are so much more experienced with completely different leadership styles than I have. So if you're new to this, see if you can help create a meeting or create a routine in which managers around performance reviews get into this process of like practicing and, and doing this with each other. Again, I have a ton of scripts and even an example meeting agenda that you can totally steal for your own purposes.
1: Thank you so much. I think we have a, a lot to to practice and th- to me it kind of sounds like the whole underlying theme is that making sure that we all care about each other enough to like provide a place where where people can feel comfortable giving or receiving crucial feedback that's, you know, going to better the entire company. Yeah,
0: it's really about getting over that hurdle. It's always going to be uncomfortable. So whatever you can do to push through <laughs> and make it feel safe and fair, that's the best.
1: All right. So, dearest listeners, it's uncomfortable, but you're not alone. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Um, and, dearest listeners, thank you for staying with Level Up Engineering. Today, my guest was Laura Hogan, founder of Wherewithal. And we talked about performance reviews and feedbacks and. How to deliver them and what we can do to make it a better experience, and I'm just really like powered up to go give some feedback. Um, and if you like this episode, give it a thumbs up or a lot of stars, if you please. That's always a that's always a great sign. Thank you, Lara, for, for joining us and for sharing um, your tips and really actionable insights as to, as to what we can do as managers and individual contributors to become better at performance reviews and feedback giving. I am Carolina Toth and I hope to see you next time.
0: Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io and don't forget to subscribe to our channel rate our content and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.